Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we sit down with Angela Bundrent. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Angela Bundurant is the CEO of Players TV, the first ever athlete-owned media network and content provider. Today, she'll discuss obstacles she's overcome with the help of her Waymakers and the goals of Players TV. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker. And today on the Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have as our special guest, Angela Boutrot, the CEO of Players TV. And I've known Angela for such a long time. Welcome, Angela, to the Waymaker Fireside Chat. I am honored that you asked me to join you, Lewis. Look, we know you have talked to many a great folks in this Waymaker series, and I'm honestly honored just to join you. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for joining us. So, Angela, before we get into what you do, we want to let our audience know who you are. So, Angela, give us some background on where you grew up. And uh, I know you went to Syracuse College, but we really want to get to know you so you can be part of the Waymaker family. (laughs) So quick and simple. I'm just a girl from Detroit. Born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, which really does say a lot about who I am. It embodies really who I am. I am um, born and raised in Detroit, went to Syracuse University undergrad. I'll tell you a great story so you can learn a little bit more about me. I was determined to attend Syracuse, although I had gotten into Michigan, gotten into Howard, gotten into Northwestern. My parents wanted me to go to a college not as expensive and not as far away. I decided I was going to Syracuse no matter what. And so we had a family meeting. My dad, my mom and dad said, you know, it's easier, cheaper to go to Michigan. What about Howard? And I said, if you guys won't support me in going to Syracuse, I'll stay home for a year, do one of the years off things that is so common now. I'll earn my own money and then I'll go to Syracuse. So again, a lot about who I am, very tenacious and decision driven and very much about getting to the yes. So I went to Syracuse undergrad, returned from Syracuse to work one year at an IPG company in Detroit. And that was when cable really was getting hot. It was the early 90s. I was doing a lot of research and buying a lot of cable and I was recruited to work at a young cable company in Atlanta called Turner Broadcasting. So I really started my career at Turner Broadcasting, ironically working um, research for Turner Sports, helping with stats and analysis and games and figuring out what games we wanted to um, lobby the leagues for to air on which nights. So I was part of the research team at Turner Sports that did a lot of the game selection and how games would air. And I stayed at Turner for about three years. I was getting an itch to do more than research. I knew I wasn't an insights and research driven person. I really just wanted to learn research for a great basis and understanding of the business. And at that time, Scott Sassa and Dennis Miller were running TNT and TBS respectively. And they were really 
kind mentors to me. I've had amazing mentors and um, sponsors and advocates throughout my career, which I would love for us for us to talk a little bit about. But they both were that for me, and they made an introduction um, for me to the folks at Fox Broadcasting. And so I got the job at Fox Broadcasting and came to L.A. in... 94 to work at Young Fox Broadcasting, and I was part of the team that foxified the country. Lewis, you might remember this. In the early days when Fox was buying affiliate independent stations, they were known as, you know, in New York, it was New York 5. Mm-hmm. In L.A., it was a KTTV 11. In Atlanta, I think it was WAGA 5. It's sick that I still remember this. But I was on the team that went around and added Fox branding to independent stations to build the value for the network. Um, and so I stayed at Fox about a year and a half. And what interestingly drove me to leave was seeing the um, disparity in support of programs particularly those like Martin, In Living Color, Rock, 21 Jump Street, I saw how different the support was from the network on shows that built the network and drove programming, yet they didn't have equal support within the organization. So I left and I went to work for Charles Dutton. I work. Wow. Yeah. So, Jump in. So, so, so Angela, before we get too far into your career, I, I want to go back to Detroit. Mm-hmm. All right. And this this whole decision you made around, it's either going to be Syracuse or I'm going to go off and do this thing on my own. Wait a yeah. year. Why was Syracuse so important to you? Because I was admitted as part of the dual degree program at Syracuse. And I am one of the fortunate Newhouse graduates Um, SI Newhouse School of Public Communication, so that we give it its proper respect, is one of the best communication schools in the country. And I was part of the dual degree program. So I have two bachelors of science, one from the Newhouse School and one from the School of Management. Um, And that was important to me. Something in me always knew, Lewis, that I and and I don't know what it was. I, I wish I could harness it and share it forward. But I knew in high school that I wanted to study communications. So getting admitted to the Newhouse School was that push forward for me. It also, Newhouse appealed to me more than staying in state because I wanted to broaden my circle. I wanted to broaden my horizon. It was important to me to meet people outside of my Detroit circle who still, by the way, are terrific friends. But I just saw something broader for myself. And that's why Syracuse really was a, an aching in my gut since I was and admitted. at that time, Angela, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? Because for me, I have a, a, a degree in broadcast journalism, all right? Uh, and at that particular time, I thought I wanted to be in front of a camera, but other people had other ideas for me. OK, so uh, did you have any idea at that point what you really wanted to do or just knew you wanted degrees in those fields? No, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So my major in the Newhouse School, surprisingly, was PR. 
I did not study broadcast journalism as most people do. So my degree and my study of emphasis was PR. And in the school of management, it was marketing. I settled in right away, Lewis, like God was good to me. Um, I have always known, even in high school, I was an intern for a lady that handled PR for the Michigan Department of Transportation. My other internships in high school and college were at Saturn Motor Company, and I worked in their marketing division. So there just was something I knew I was good at um, building narratives and telling stories and marketing strategy. I'm not a huge writer, so I knew I needed the piece from the business school that was really strategy and um, a less creative space, like an advertising type degree. So I settled in right away. I, I, again, I won't say I'm lucky. I've just honestly been blessed. And if you look at the roadmap of where I am, it, the story is very strong in how I got where I am. So, so Angela, over the last few years, uh, it has come to light. We've always known it was there, but it's got more attention than ever before. The struggle that women have uh, in the industry and climbing the corporate ladder, getting the real opportunities, getting equal pay. How was it back then? <laughs> Thank no you for one making was talking about Thank you for making me feel old. You're like, how was it back then? <laughs> Thank you for that, Lewis. Now I feel really no, good. No, 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 you're not old. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I have been, again, very fortunate. When I left Fox and worked at UPN, I worked for a lady named Lucy Salhaney, who was one of the female pioneers in broadcasting. And she was either general manager, I think she was the general manager of UPN or CEO of UPN. So she ensured that us female junior executives were included, seen, part of decision-making. Um, she ensured that our pay was on par with our peers. And I tell young people all the time, it starts at the base because from the base is where you build forward. They always ask, what did you make in your last job? And it's a public record now, right? So it's important that we start on as level a playing field as possible or else you can't get the bump up. The bump up is always lower because it's from a lower base, if that makes sense. So I'm super fortunate that um, I worked with Lucy and learned to advocate for myself as a female executive. I have never needed to be coached on how to take up space in a room or how to interject what I believed to be true um, in business. I saw that. I saw that from an early leader in my career. Um, what was the second part of your question? So <clears throat> I was really trying to, but, but you just said something, Angela, that m makes me think you said starting at the base, it's where you start. And I totally agree. But a lot of times, not just women, but people of color don't know that they don't even know where to get the information from. How do they find that? How do they go about that process of understanding where to start and what it looks like and how to get the information. Well, you're doing it here 
I think platforms like this do it. Um, it's up to us. I feel now more than ever, Lewis, my responsibility is to give that message forward and back. And platforms like yours, Black-owned content companies like Players TV, like Revolt, like BET, although not Black-owned, but that's a whole nother conversation. It is in that... <laughs> We're going to talk some truth today. We are going to talk yes, some truth today. Um, it's in those spaces that we get to get that message forward. We have to meet people. We have to meet our young people where they are. I think LinkedIn does a great job. I think us reaching back and reaching forward is important as any of those other, you know, kind of platforms we talked about. And the reason that's critical, because Angela, when we were acquired, since you said, by Viacom, I know I spent about $10,000 uh, with a law firm to level set. I just wanted to know where I should be uh, and what were other people making in the industry, because we were going from a Black-owned small company into this corporate conglomerate. Yeah. And I just need to have the information to be able to negotiate my first contract. Now, yeah. everybody you know, is not going to have 10 grand to go out and, and pay somebody to find that information out. But it is important that you have that information uh, because if you get it wrong, it can be life changing. And if you get it right, it can be life changing. And, and to add to that, life changing when you're at a company like BET Viacom, where your ability to put in your 401k, your ability to get stock, it's based on a percentage of your salary. So yes. when people ask for five or $10,000 more, it's not just five or $10,000. It's another percent that can go into a 401k, which over 30 years matters, right? So absolutely. It's so important. I don't know that I answered the question properly, but I do think it is our responsibility as we have more places to tell the message forward. I also gets it gets to the root of having places to tell that message forward. And that becomes about ownership and having people like us of color and women of other minorities in positions and having platforms to speak what matters for growth for the collective. And, and Angela, speaking of, you know, women of color, you've worked for big brands, UPN, Fox, Sony Pictures, Revolt. Tell our listening female audience how that happened. What are the, some of the, as I would say, dirty little secrets into getting into companies of that size and having the type of positions that you've had? So I don't know how many secrets I can tell because we're being recorded and this is going to push really wide. But what I, <laughs> what I, what I will share, what I will share is networking is so important. Having a sponsor is so important. Having, um, experience that you are firm in and knowing your value is imperative. I also believe in the timing of my life. So strong in my core. If I talked about it right now, I would cry. Like 
the timing of things are never wrong. And I just said this to somebody on my team yesterday. It is only when we force a fit that things go wrong. For me, that has been what I have learned. So um, I'll tell you how I really kind of got the role at Sony was knowing, again, Lucy knew the head of distribution at the time. I had already mentioned Lucy Salhaney. She was one of my mentors at UPN and my boss. She knew the role was opening. I applied. I applied through the traditional, you know, submit your resume through HR. But Lucy knew the head of distribution and put in a word for me, which percolated my experience and my resume up. I think that was really a key in getting noticed, right? When I left Sony after, I think I was at Sony 12, 13, maybe 14 years, three, three-year deals, plus a few other years here and there. So I think I was there probably, I'm not sure, let's call it 12 years. Um, when I left Sony and wanted the role at Revolt, I just started calling people, trying to figure out who knew about the hiring of executives at this just named network. It wasn't even announced. It what the timing wasn't out. It just was part of an announcement of NBC Universal's needing to launch channels from minority owners. A lot of people mess up and say that Comcast invested in Revolt. <clears throat> they did not. That's not true. Comcast was forced to give Revolt distribution on a certain number of homes. That's it. So that was in the trades. It was a big deal. I started calling around. I mentioned Dennis Miller, who was one of my very senior bosses at Turner. I was having breakfast with him. He asked what I was going to do after Sony. I told him I was really interested in Revolt. And he said, honest to God, Lewis, he said, I work in the same building as Revolt. Dennis was at TV Guide at the time. Revolt was in TV Guide's building. He said, I'm very good friends with their CFO. I'll get a meeting for you. Went to the meeting. And I was told then that they were hiring a new CEO that I would need to wait. And I asked who the new CEO was, and it was Keith Klinkscales, who, by the way, had a show called Vibe that was produced by Sony when I was head of affiliate marketing at Sony. So I knew Keith very well. I had taken great care of his show at Sony. So I got in my car. I think they, he thought he was giving me information that I wouldn't be able to do anything with. I got in the car and called everybody I knew that could get me to Keith. I got on the phone with Keith and I was like, I'm the person for this job. I'm going to send you my resume, hire me. And he did. So that's how I got the role at Revolt. Um, the role at Players TV, again, in a similar way, I had been watching the launch of Players TV. The brand excited me. I reached out to Deron Guidry, who's one of the co-founders, um, and... I had talked with Players TV about a role when the pandemic hit. I nearly took a job with Players TV in March of 2020. I did not take the role because I was afraid. 
The pandemic had just hit. I was afraid to leave Revolt. I didn't want to leave the place that I had helped um, craft, right? I was afraid for what my leaving would be, not only for the brand that I loved, but also going to an unknown. So I did not take the role. About six months later, I was asked to be part of their advisory board. And it was perfect. I really got to get involved, learn their growth, be part of the trajectory, offer insights in the scope of business that I knew very well. And when the CEO role became available, I was asked if I wanted to be considered and be part of the search. And here I am. Wow. So, Angela, let's talk about Players TV. What is it? What are they trying to do? Uh, a lot of people haven't heard of it, and it's going to be your job to sort of make it a household name. So tell us. You know, it's funny because when you talk with CEOs, we tend to be, some are operational, some CEOs are more financial. I think some CEOs are more marketing and branding. I fully intend to be a marketing and branding CEO that is driving the brand forward as we scale up. And we are on a rocket ship scale up, Lewis. So Players TV is an athlete lifestyle company with an ecosystem that includes a linear channel, social and digital. We just announced um, a direct-to-consumer app that will launch April 4th. And we are owned by athletes as a collective for their content. So some of our 55 athlete owners that most people know are Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade and Travis Kelsey and AJ Andrews. And, you know, I could go on and on. We have 55 athletes that have invested in this purposeful brand that is about hubbing their content. Never before have athletes come together as a collective. We have heard of deals that LeBron has done. We have heard of deals that athletes have for their con content to be on another platform. Finally, athletes have a hub that together they can pull that content and have ownership in the content that they create. It's super special. It has not been done before. I'll tell you a story. We had a meeting maybe two weeks ago with a large bank who, as we were going through the pitch, the co-founder and I do a lot of pitches together. And Duran was going through the pitch and the principal at the bank said, she literally leaned in like this, Lewis, and said, in all of my time, I have always wondered why athletes did not come together to own their own platform. And that is exactly what Players TV is. Got it. So tell us about what does the content cons consist of? Yes. Yeah, so it is, um, I, I know a lot of people want to make the analogy of, is it ESPN? Is it like Turner Sports? It is not. This content is about what athletes do outside of their fields of play. They are rich people with full lives. What they do athletically is really only their job. It doesn't talk about their, their spaces and passions and um, financing and cooking and um, sommelier, like building wine companies. 
We have a show with DeAndre Jordan because he is a plant-based, um, he has a plant-based lifestyle. So we have a show with him called Cooking Clean, where he really talks about how to live a plant-based lifestyle and give cook, gives cooking tips on plant-based living. We have a show with UBS, um, and UBS, interestingly, is a brand partner that we signed a multi-million dollar two-year deal with to create branded content with them. But we have a show with them. We have several, but one that we are currently working on is called Front Office. And it really is showing athletes and their financial teams and how they make decisions on investing. So as part of the show, you see the athletes with their investment team taking pitches from entrepreneurs to guide them on their journey for building their business. So that really is what Players TV is, is peeling back the layer of the lives of athletes um, off their off their fields of play. Are, are there any sort of core pillars? Is it news and information? Is it instructional? Is it entertainment? Are, are there core pillars that sort of the programming sort of roll up under? So the two that you mentioned, we are not. We, <laughs> we're not using inf- news and information or um, informational. What we are is lifestyle. Um, We have documentaries. We have reality-based kind of talk shows. But we know we don't need to be in the sports news space. Um, A big company called ESPN is doing that and doing it very well. So what we don't do is break sports news. What we do do is lift up our athletes who are part of sports news. As an example, um, four of our athletes were named to the NBA's 75th anniversary team. So on our social and on our platform, you'll see us giving highlights and, and information and celebrating those athletes who were named to the 75th team. What we didn't do is try to rush and break that they were named if that makes sense. So what we do is try to pull the layer back so that we can mm-hmm. celebrate the athletes that are part of our platform and show other sides of their very multifaceted lives because athletes are more than just what they do, right? We're not a, we're not a um, singular type of people. And, and how can people experience Players TV? Uh, is it going through an app? Is it on your cable channel? How, how can they experience it? Yep, both of those. So we are currently on Samsung and Philo and Fubo and um, YouTube TV. We have a great presence on YouTube TV. We also will be pushing direct to consumer on an app called Athletes on Demand that is launching on April 4th with other content that is not found on Linear. So we have deals with companies like um, Anthem Sports, with Complex, that will also round out the content that is part of Athletes on Demand. Great. And and Angela, as you sort of have started this journey with Players TV, what are like your top three goals over the next year that you're trying to achieve with Players? Um, We're scaling this business up rocket ship fast. Um, I am moving to headquarters to be part of that. We are building our original content, including, so I think we had 
five or six original content shows last year. We're going to triple that this year. We are launching the new app this year. I know you asked for three things, but all of these things are part of my three things. <laughs> so we're launching the Athletes On Demand app this year. And we also, we also, Lewis, um, will be launching four or five new shows this year. Great. Scalability. So I want to get back. Scalability, scalability. Got it. Understand. <laughs> so we here at Waymaker, Angelo, believe that every successful person has had Waymaker. You've named a couple of people that have had influence, that have been mentors. I don't know if you would call them Waymakers or not. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. name some Waymakers for us and how have they impacted your life? You want me to tell you more? Are those the ones that you have? Or are there more? That yeah. Oh, look, we will run out of time because I believe everybody that crosses our path, whether the interaction is good, bad or otherwise, is there for a purpose. I definitely have to shout out one of my sales guys who was head of sales when I was or he was EVP of sales, but. That's neither here nor there. When I was at Sony, named Jeff Wolf, he was definitely a waymaker for me. I, um, you know, I'm seeing so many faces just flash, flash by for me. I definitely have to mention Keith Klingscales, who was my CEO at Revolt, that believed in me and handed me the business. I still to this day have to say thanks to the co-founders at Players TV who believed in me, who wanted to give a black female with exceptional experience a chance chance to be a CEO. So, you know, I've got to shout out um, Anthony Tolliver and Duran Guidry and Colin Kastanoff for that. Um, so we did Revolt. We did Players TV. We did Sony. I talked about Lucy. I talked about Dennis Miller and Scott Sassa. I, those are the big ones. Those are the big ones for me. That's right. Angela, tell us about some. But can of I your tell you something that's sad about that, Lewis? I only named one lady. I, I wasn't going to go there, Angela. I, I, I was. I, I noticed that, but I said I'm not going to go there because I didn't know where it would lead me. All right, I'm being honest. I, I don't. Now that I think about it, I only named one lady. But again, I think that's endemic of the time when I was building my career. I'll take it back to what you and I talked about earlier. Now the job is mine to ensure that my name gets called or that other women get called. And I don't know if it's that there weren't senior women in position that would have been part of that path for me. I, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. I will tell you, I have an amazing group of women now that are peers, that are general counsels, that are leading networks that are heads of marketing, that are heading production companies. We are now all peers. So I am certain that this next generation of leaders who are now, you know, in entry-level management and middle management, they will for sure have women like me that can say we're way makers for them because that is very much a purpose for me. So, you know, when, when, when women hear that, you're going to get some calls. All right. I hope I do. I hope I do. I try to do a ton of um, 
sessions with my beloved Newhouse School. I was just, um, I just did a Zoom with them a week or two ago. I try to be as available as possible for young people on LinkedIn. I try to do a lot with the University of Michigan and their um, advisory of students. So I'm glad too, Lewis. I, I believe it is my, it is my job. Well, well, that leads me into the next question about some of your philanthropic activities. Can you tell us about some of those? Yep. I am on a board of an organization called I Am Her, which is really about uplifting um, young girls who come from underserved communities. And it has been incredible for me. I, I have found that I get a lot of energy seeing the excitement and the passion and possibility in young people. And I mentioned Syracuse. I can't say enough about Syracuse. If I had more time, I would do even more. It, I believe I am where I am because of my days at Syracuse. Uh, you know, Angela, there's been a saying forever that women can't have it all. You know, you can't be a mom, you can't be a wife, you can't have a great career. Speak to that. Is that a myth or is that reality? We can be whatever we want to be. But I also believe that a pie only equals 100. You cannot have a pie that is 120. So we have to figure out, and I do this with myself a lot, right? Like, we have to figure out what comprises that 100 for ourselves in our own lives, each day, each week, each month, each season. The pieces of that pie, the percent of that pie that is dedicated to family, to work, to kids, to philanthropic, to travel, we determine what percentage each of those important pieces of our lives get and how it equals our 100. Does that make sense? Yes. So if you have a marriage that is taking up 80%, you only got 20 left. Not even Beyonce gets a pie that's more than 100. Everybody's pie's 100. It's up to us to figure out how we balance ourselves and comprise the percentages that equal 100. And, and does that change throughout our careers and our journey? You 100%. 100%. I think it changes um, with each season. There are days, honestly, like if we're being honest, there are days that I know I give more to my career than I have to give to my family. There are seasons of my life that I know I had to give more to my family than I was able to give to my career. Um there are times when I know I have more time to work out and be philanthropic and teach spin classes and do other things. Again, it is based on the season that I am in, respecting where I am and honoring the balance to get to my 100. But we absolutely can have it all. It's how we manage the balance and the percentage to get to our 100. Final question, Angela. I want you to speak to 21-year-old students of color coming out of college at this particular time, what's going on in the country, what's going on in the news. Uh, 
and tell them, give them some advice that will propel them on a career similar to yours? Maybe not in the same industry, but the same type of success track. I would welcome them in my industry, by the way, because it is exciting. It is part of um, black ownership and black content ownership. Um, So I would welcome them in my industry. And for all of the people listening to you, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd be more than happy to be a sounding board. My piece of advice is one that my father gave me. And I hope I can say this without getting upset. But if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And then you have to build a life that you can't afford. I think a lot of times we get off track when we want to earn more because we're spending more. You see where I'm going with this? But if you do what you love and you build a life that you can afford, it will all be in alignment. So those are my, I think, big pieces of advice. I talked to a young girl from Michigan maybe two months ago, and she really wanted to work in philanthropy. She wanted to be part of organizations that provide um, glasses and that kind of outreach to communities that don't necessarily have those resources. And she was worried about how she could build a great life. And I said, well, what bills do you have? Like you're fresh out of college. Like, why can't you do that? You don't have a car. You don't have a mortgage. Do what you love and then build the life you can afford. That, that's my only trick to happiness, Lewis. It kind of is that simple. Well, Angela, thank you for this. Yeah, of uh, course. I appreciate it. And I'm sure the Waymaker audience appreciates this. And thank you so much. And uh, we wish you and Players TV the best as you start this new journey and look to make an impact in our great industry. So oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lewis. I enjoyed it. Have me back again, okay? I will, for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Angela Bundrent. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. Don't forget to clean your Waymaker Journal at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode. 